can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. We look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze. We race on Sunday, so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. Through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection, learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision. That's where it all started. 
Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MXC Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we have none other than Dale Spangler from WPS Fly Racing. Dale, how's it going? It's going well. Um, just kind of having another night on the on the PC here. Just do a little little editing. Uh, just got a really cool piece from my uh, buddy Jerry Bernardo, who lives in Australia now, and he's been uh, working with me on my Circles website. And he's amazing writer, so he sends me these really cool stories. From he has a huge archive of stories, and this particular one's on a, a kind of a I guess it's called the Death, it's not Death Collective, it's called the Dust Hustle, and it's like this kind of crazy, you show up with whatever you want to ride, and if it's a Harley, and it's all on dirt, though. So it should be a pretty interesting story once I post it up. Unbelievable, and I, I totally agree. Uh, Jerry Bernardo, for those who uh, don't uh, aren't absolute moto nerds like myself, or maybe aren't old enough to have watched a lot of uh, '90s moto, uh, Jerry was a uh, basically sidelines reporter, uh, or uh, like some of those getting some of those inside the pits um, on location uh, reporting from uh, from the, both the nationals and some supercrosses throughout the '90s, and uh, was a, was a, a very integral part of a, kind of giving the, the the fans a little bit of a a behind-the-scenes look at a few different rigs and, and the, the privateer struggle and, and, and uh, how the factory guys lived at that time. Uh, so tons of stories, I imagine, especially because of how diverse the, the 90s really was because we saw uh, right up from, from box fan days all the way up to uh, full-blown semis. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a funny story there. So um, we kind of just connected out of the blue. So we, we had known each other from way back, like you said, in the the 90s and early 2000 when I was working at Smith Optics at the time, and you know I'd see him at uh, snowcross races, so I could I'd go right. with, you know for the for the eyewear for the snowcross racers, and Jerry was announcing then at the snow national snowcross races, and so we we'd known each other, you know, we'd run into each other here and there, and uh, but uh, yeah, he just hits me up out of nowhere, sends me a message through my contact page, and he doesn't even he didn't know it was me, and so then we start messaging back and forth and we're like hey you know like geez what the heck what are the chances you know and so we just kind of clicked you know like we're we're both kind of a tell it how it is kind of kind of person and so we just got along really well and yeah he's been i kind of like you know call my editor at large now since he's like i said down under in australia now and uh no kidding yeah yeah. What brought him down there? I gotta, I gotta find some time to get that guy on the podcast. I know it's difficult to get uh, Australia and Canada to to line up as far as uh, uh, time zones go, but I, I would love to make some time for Jerry if he'll make some time for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit him up and see if he's interested. Um, yeah, I think he, I, you know, I don't really know the full story, but I think he just had kind of gone through like so many different you know, race series and all that. And I think he just kind of needed a change. And so I think he went down there and sort of off the grid a little bit. But, 
he seems to like it. So, um, yeah, good for Fair him. So, but it's that fun, is awesome yeah. for you. It's awesome for him and awesome for you that he'll uh, lend his skills and uh, and 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 no knowledge to uh, to Dirt Buzz, which uh, for those who didn't uh, haven't dug down deep into the the archives of uh, of Big MX Radio would uh, uh, they they might not be familiar with Dirt Buzz. Give us a little bit of uh, uh, kind of the um, the full rundown on on what Dirt Buzz is and and what you want to grow it to and uh, basically your passion for uh, for two wheels and off road. Yeah, it kind of started as just sort of a you know off-road focused news website where you know I kind of put my own spin on things, and um, I also do music reviews and uh, beer uh, beer reviews. So it, you know it's, it's a little twist, you know, kind of pulling areas from like you know in, in mountain biking they're they're not afraid to talk about beer and things like that. So I thought you know what this is that's a huge part of my life, and I think there's a lot of racers out there that when they're done riding. They want to crack a few beers with their buddies and, and have a good time. So I'm trying to bring that little element into it, not be so serious about it, but also try and bring as many unique stories as I can to the and, and attention to the off-road scene because I just feel like off-road just always sort of gets shoved to the side. And when I say off-road, I mean like, you know, GNCC, Enduro, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, totally. Occasionally I'll do some moto stuff, like especially with Jerry, he has such a diverse background. Like, oh, He'll send me a story about, you know, Toby Price, you know, the Dakar rider, but then he'll also send me something on, you know, I just did had a, had a recent one that I posted up that was on Mike Jones, you know, Mad Mike Jones. Yeah. And so it was really cool story that he had. And he's like, hey, you know, it's Mike's, you know, birthday, you know, a couple of days ago. So I thought I'd send this over to you and we put it up in his honor. So, you know, stuff like that is just, he has like an archive of gold. So anyways, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how the whole Dirt Bus started. Um, it's a side project. Obviously, I have a day job, so I, I work on it in my spare time. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm working towards, you know, hopefully um, starting to sell some T-shirts, little things like that, where the money that I generate from that I want to put back into, you know, the project and hopefully, uh, you know, get out to some more races, maybe go to the East Coast, go to a GNCC or go to, like, a J-J or, you know, full gas sprint enduro, something like that, where I can, you know, keep getting out there and, and being amongst the people, not just being behind the keyboard. You know, because I think it's easy to just get sucked into where you know you just kind of do your thing on the keyboard. But there's nothing like going out in the field. So um, yeah, and, and you don't get to meet the people you need to meet until you're there and you're in the trenches and experiencing it. Because I think there's a respect level there. Is that you're all in the same place, and that's where those conversations get to happen. I feel like even if you were able to talk to some of those people uh, over the phone or something like that, the same conversation's not really there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you got you still got to go out there and be be among them and you know be part of them. So I think that makes it feel like you're you know one of them when when you're out there with them in the trenches and um yeah. but yeah and also the the best way to to get your own you know unique content too because you know these days as you know like you know unique individual content is where it's at you know like there's so many websites out there that are just kind of aggregators so to speak that are just you know taking everybody's content which I'd still do some of that but you know it's I try to be a little bit selective about what I post, but on the same token, um, there's nothing like unique content, though. But that's certainly my goal with Dirt Buzz, to get more and more towards creating my own stuff and not just having to share everybody's stuff. I'm always going to share videos, things like that, that are going to help the 
the industry and, you know, race recaps, that type of thing. But um, when some people send me race reports, things like that, I just don't really, that kind of stuff, you know, I don't, I don't even know if anybody reads it anymore. Uh, no, I, I'm sure that they do read, maybe a little bit less than uh, years previous, but uh, I, I think you're totally right. Uh, it's one thing to, uh, to to talk about the news. It's another thing to report the news and, and then analyze it from there um, and actually like basically bring your own story to light, uh, whether that, the, that be uh, the... Um, when, when it comes to like a story about a specific writer or a story that uh, kind of highlights somebody who is, is, is doing something great in the sport that may, might not be within uh, the, the spectrum of, of just your everyday um, race report. It, it, it's just going a little bit deeper and, and then doing the analysis from there. I think that's what really pulls people in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I guess to clarify there, what I mean is like kind of those that sort of like boilerplate, like templated, you know, post-race report that I know like a lot of brands have to do because they have a lot of, or teams even have to do because they have sponsors and they have obligations, you know. But at the same token, I think we've gotten to this sort of point where like it needs to be taken to the next level, whether that's a video race report or to me, like I like to use the example, I wrote a recent blog about it, um, about Colt Haker and just what he's doing with his blogs. I mean, it's, Honestly, I don't know how he does it. You know, he's in the into the fifties now, I think, on his on his blogs, and he puts one out almost every day, and they're really good. And I just feel like you know, you, I feel like I know him so much better because these blogs are just super intimate, you know, super candid. You know, he he tells it how it is, shows his dogs, shows his family, everything he's going through as he's like working towards whatever it is, working you know, racing endurocross, or he's training right now for Erzberg. So I, I just think that it's uh, – again, I don't know if it's something realistically he can sustain for a long period of time because I think it takes a lot of effort on his part. But the same yeah. token, like, he's gotten such a huge following with those in a short amount of time that it just blows me away that there's not motocross guys doing this at all yet. I mean, there's – most motocross guys don't even have a YouTube channel. And then you, you look at, like, mountain biking, like, every one of the mountain bike guys have their own YouTube channels that they're cranking out videos left and right, and I'm just like – it kind of blows me away that uh, Moto is so far behind on that side of it. Um, I don't know if it's just, you know, they had these strict, they can only do so much. You know, they have to, they go to the training, uh, go to the gym, they go to the track, and, like, that's all they can do. They can't really – maybe it's sponsor obligations again. I don't know. But I, I just think it's no, interesting. It's – you're, you're totally right. I think even uh, when it comes to media and eyeballs on things, uh, motocross has always been a little bit behind the uh, behind the curve as far as what's cool and what's um, like like people are, like love motocross videos, the terra firmas, the this that and the other thing. But those those videos were inspired by. Uh, ski videos, like the the Warren Miller films of the of the of the eighties, and the, and then uh, that that series has gone on forever, and like all the the snowboard videos that were were prevalent in the the late late or like mid to late nineties, early two thousands. That's when like the music became a part of that culture, and I think that uh, if for if if I was to pull about a hundred of my um, mountain bike friends, uh, about. 80 to, 80 to uh, 90 percent of them are very creative, very kind of down to like kind of salt of the earth kind of people who uh, um, are, have that that aptitude for creating things like videos and and blogs and they just that kind of also sort of lends itself to the, the the woods because motocross like motocross racers are, are for I 
like don't want to bag on my own sport, but they're very cookie cutter. They're very like this is what I do. This is the laps that I do. We don't really play ride. We don't really work on uh, like kind of weird skills. We just work on going as fast as humanly possible. We we work out as 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 much as we humanly can. Then we sleep as much as we can so that we can just be fast on race day. Whereas woods guys like they're bouncing off of logs. They're jumping off of stuff. They're seeing if they can get up that ro- those rocks. And it's it's just like a more of a expanded mind when it comes to uh, uh, approaching the motorcycle and overall life. So I'm not too surprised to see that the the the, uh, the off road guys got a, got the the motocross guys beat as far as the media side goes. Yeah, well, even on off road, I mean, obviously Haker's the only one doing that right now. Like, so there's he, he's just one of those rare exceptions where I think he just he has a yeah. mind that I think he understands marketing and his his own personal brand, and he he understands that like he. You know, there's probably going to be situations where he's maybe injured, but because he has a good personal brand with things like these uh, blogs, he's going to continue to bring value to his sponsors because he's yeah, putting out he's content. he's never out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. You know, like there's a lot of pro motocross guys, and again, I I'm not bagging on it. I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a point of discussion that I think is interesting, you know, like how the yep. sport is evolving. And I mean, I just think some of them, they, they're, they're gone. You know, they're out, of, like you said, out of sight, out of mind. Like they get hurt, you don't hear from them for months, you know. And so, as a sponsor, you know, that's got to be tough. You know, you're paying this person. You know, in some cases, they can not pay them if they go, if they're not racing for a certain amount of time. But I think a lot of companies, out of good faith, they, they continue to pay the athletes, you know. And so, that's that's hard to take when you don't get much back in return, like whether it's social media posts and things like that. So, it's a, it's an interesting landscape. I think there's a lot of shifts going on right now, and not just in motocross and, and motorcycling in general, but just the whole social media online environment is just really, really changing right now. Oh, absolutely, and and guys are, are resurrecting careers or, or keeping uh, keeping themselves uh, within the the public eye by making uh, like different videos and, and and just keeping their name out there. Like honestly, I would argue that a guy like uh, Jimmy Dakotas, although had some some great rides and some really really good uh, results on the East Coast before eventually getting a, an offer to ride the Geico bike, but um, he stayed relevant by doing two stroke videos and like every once every like six months, about a year or so, he'd come out with uh, with him just uh, like feathering the clutch on a, on a two-stroke, like no tomorrow, and people and YouTube would gobble it up. And um, like clicks are clicks. Like if, if he's getting the action, um, that 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 goes uh, head and shoulders above somebody that uh, like maybe get the he maybe get the same result on Saturday, but uh, uh, as far as uh, the 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 interaction and the, and the fans um, really like kind of embracing that athlete. Uh, Jimmy's got a bit of an upper edge. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the East coast ripper, right. You know I mean? There, there he, he is. I think all of new England loves that guy, you know, like he goes to a place like Southwick and it's just like, they're going to go crazy for him, you know? So it's um, new England's a cool place. I saw some good buddies from Moto back in the day. And it's sort of like, they're the type of people that, you know, it's like at first when you meet each other, you're kind of like, you're kind of looking at each other like, I don't know if I like you. But then once you're in with those people, they, you know, they, they got your back for life, you know. So it's, I, I can I can appreciate, you know, that little bit of abrasiveness on the surface. But once you once you get to know them, like you're, yeah, they're, they're like a friend for life. 
Absolutely. It, it totally, uh, that whole area is uh, is a brotherhood. And I think that, uh, yeah, like you said, they might be a little bit wary about letting people in the club right off the hop. But uh, once you're in, you're in for life. And uh, and that's totally the case when it was Tony LaRusso or, uh, or Jimmy Dakotas that uh, the, the, the roots run deep in uh, in New England. Now, uh, when it comes to, to Dirt Buzz and the coverage that, you, that you've uh, been basically uh, like bringing to the off-road industry, um, is there kind of like a, a, a way that you'd like to grow this to the point where like, is there a kind of a, um, a goal in mind as to where you want to be in say a year or five year period? Well, I'm not I'm trying not to put a lot of pressure on myself just because I know, you know, how much hard work goes into something like this, especially when you're a one man show and you know, I'm lucky, like I said, to have people like Jerry Bernardo that's supporting me. And, and a lot of the racers have been supportive too, you know, like I'm lucky in my day job that I have a lot of connections with people with their, you know, like a Ricky Brayback and a Gary So and people like that that are uh, friends that I consider, you know, easy to talk to, that I can email and they'll text and they'll respond to me and they'll, they'll do interviews. And, and so to me, though, the ultimate goal, though, is to, if, if I can con- continue to create more and more, you know, exclusive, um, unique content, I mean, that's, that's what I like to do. You know, I want to get out to more events and, make a different take on an event. So if I go to like a GNCC, I want to write about the whole GNCC experience, not necessarily the racing part, but all the experience that goes into it, the hanging out with the people in the motorhomes and the, just, you know, that whole sort of lifestyle behind the scenes that maybe people don't necessarily hear about. They just hear about the results, you know? And so I think off-road even more so than moto, I've one thing that kind of drew me in with it is it's, it's definitely more of a, I wouldn't say family, but it's just more of a, I equate it more to like a, a skiing and snowboarding where like some people don't necessarily even care to, to race. They just, you know, they'll race once in a while, but it's more about riding, riding with your buddies, going out, having a good time on the weekend, and then cracking some beers afterwards and rehashing the, the hill they climbed and the creek where they grounded up a bike. And, you know, I mean, that, that to me is like, that's sort of the essence of why a lot of people started to ride. And so, it's uh, and and offroad's growing right now because it's bang for the buck, you know. Like you go to a yeah, you go to a motocross and it's hard. You sit all day for a couple motos that are five laps, and you go to a local hair scramble series and it's you get a two hour race. And uh, like I've been hearing, like places like Indiana, like their local series, they're getting like six seven hundred bikes showing up, like which is incredible to me. Like I mean, it just seems like I just can't even imagine that. No, me either. I just like that. Those are numbers that uh, literally um, they dwarf local motocross races, especially around here. Um, the the your your local your local race around here is getting about three hundred entries, which most riders ride for classes. So you're talking more or like just under two hundred riders. Uh, and uh, at the at the early portion of the two, in the two thousands, there's there's like 750 entries. So we've seen a huge uh, re- reversal or, or basically a kind of a, uh, a backtrack. And before, at, at, the, at the turn of the century, we, we saw absolutely, there was no organized off-road series in, in my local area. And now uh, I would say that uh, the off-road and the motocross are, uh, if not neck and neck, damn close. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it's kind of, it's what interests me right now, like the off-road side of things. And I'm always going to be a moto guy at heart. That's what I that's what I grew up doing, racing motocross. And I'll always be a super fan, probably like yourself, where 
like I'm going to watch every single race and I'm going to follow every series and, and all the riders and, and, uh, but it's just, uh, for some reason that, that, you know, the offensive side of things is, is, is to me, it's just, it's interesting. I like the people and, um, it's sort of like Moto was, you know, back in the probably eighties and nineties where it was more family, like everybody was sort of buddies, you know, and now like Moto is so, you know, it's like everybody's so serious and they've got trainers and, you know, it's just, it's a little tougher, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm always going to love it, but, um, you know, that's just where my focus is and who knows, you know, I, I have fun with it. I guess you can say I'm an aspiring journalist, you know, I'm practicing. That's what I keep telling people, like, you know, you got to get, there's the Malcolm Gladwell, I think he says the 10,000 hour rule, right? The only way you're going to get good at something is you got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And so like, the only way I'm going to get, I guess, to be what I consider like a journalist, you got to keep practicing, writing stuff and posting stuff and, yeah, you, know, you learn along the way. Absolutely, it's it's all about mileage and uh, and to quote one of my favorite hockey movies, which is uh, uh, Young Blood. You gotta suck before you're any good. So uh, um, <laughs> and and then that's that, that's the the stone cold truth. I, I listened back to some of my first podcasts and the ums and ahs, even though I uh, I edited out quite a few of them, they're still pretty prevalent, and uh, I've definitely gotten better and eventually you will get better as a as a as a writer as a uh as, as a speaker and it just takes practice and it's it's that mileage that allows you to uh to get better and uh, like for the usually honestly for me it was probably good that uh for for big mx radio listeners i wasn't super popular right out of the gates because there was a lot of ear poison out there a, a lot of uh euphemisms that probably not, not too many americans are used to but uh i've um i've changed the way i i talk a little bit i i've gotten rid of a few things i probably still have a few annoying ones but uh like you my friend getting better every single time i get behind the chair and that's why we keep doing these things so we can get better and uh and bring the news and the and the the point of views to the listeners yeah i appreciate a good you know canadian sense of humor you know i, I, Absolutely. I, I like it so. yeah exactly pa- <laughs> pass me a stubby let's uh let's crack a few cold ones and talk about the hockey game <laughs> now hockey something like i'm sorry i just could never seem to i try but i just can't get into it you know i don't know what it is but i, I have to say like i'm pretty bad about like I'm a full on like real sport guy only. Like I yeah, yeah, yeah. don't watch any, cool. don't watch football, don't watch soccer, don't watch debate, none of that stuff. It's just all I watch is two wheel. That's it, man. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, that, that that I guess that uh, uh, cancels our uh, our season tickets to the Boise uh, uh, Steelheads for next year. But uh, um, I don't drink beer though. Cause that, that's we, we that's can what go, my we friends can always do. drink beer. Um, what's, uh, what, what, what do you, what you whistle with, uh, lately, my friend? I know you're, a, you're a connoisseur of, uh, of, of beers in general, but definitely craft beers as well. What, what's, what are some beers that you've been enjoying lately that, uh, anyone who's listening that's in that or the area that maybe you are or they, like, they can go find it? What, uh, what have you been enjoying? Well, there's this brand, uh, this brewery out of Michigan that is just came into Idaho, which, you know, seems weird to me. There's a lot of, being in the Northwest, I mean, it's craft brew heaven, you know, like there's, I've got, we've got Washington, uh, you know, like Oregon, Colorado. I'm surrounded by states with like, they're renowned for microbrews, but for some reason, the local brew shop, which happens to be down the street for me, dangerous, but um, they, they brought in this uh, beer called Founders, 
I can't remember exactly the city, but it's it's the it's near the town where they had the water issues. <laughs> so I keep saying maybe it's the water, but anyways, no, maybe it's founders, and their all their stuff is really good. They had like really good IPA. They have a um, I'm really into uh, Scotch ales. Like I like a little darker beers, but right now it's like this transition between. You know, I'm in spring to summer. but summer, I'll start drinking more hoppier beers. But, like, right now, I still a little bit of a transition, still drinking some dark beers. But, yeah, Scotch Ales. And then I found these other beers at this other shop down the street from me that's, uh, they import beers from all over the world. And so I found these beers from, uh, of all places, uh, Latvia. And they're uh, uh, a Pilsner, or I think it's the Pilsner or Lager. Like, one of those two, it's, you know, it's typically a light, Five percent beer. Well, these things are sixteen <laughs> percent. That, sounds, just that like, sounds very European. Oh my god, they're just like dangerous. Every time I buy one, the lady kind of warns me. She's like, "Now, you're not going to do anything today, are you? Other than just drink this beer, right? You know." So she's like <laughs> trying to tell me, like, "You're out, you're going to be out of your mind after you drink this beer." So yeah, it's no it's kidding. Don't operate any heavy machinery, but uh, after ever some riding, and uh, you want to do some bench racing, a few cold ones isn't a bad. That isn't a uh, uh, to be frowned upon. We are adults after all. Exactly. You know, like on that note, I, I'm really kind of a fan of what uh, those guys at 805 Brewing are doing right yes. now. Like their whole kind of thing they're doing. I think they're doing with Fast House, but it's really cool. Like I just that, that whole vibe right there where they're just uh, I don't know. I'm digging it. And then another another uh, uh, brand that I'm a fan of their marketing is Oscar Blues, which they have the Dale's Pale Ale. So of course, I've got to like that beer. But um, they they had this uh, uh, YouTube campaign that was called Grip at Dale's, where they you, people would send in videos of themselves where they had to do like sports, like holding a beer can. You know, obviously, like you know, it, that can get a little sketchy. You know, some people might look look down upon that, but they weren't actually drinking it. So they had to like one guy did a freestyle motocross jump holding the can of beer in his hand, and he hit the ramp, landed the jump, and then he cracks it open and he drinks the beer. And so then another one, a mountain biker, is riding the trail with, with the, with the you know, can of beer in his hand. And so, yeah, you get you get the idea. But I, I just think it's kind of creative marketing, and it's, uh, like I said before, like mountain bike side of things, they're not scared of that. You know, like there's beer in, in half their videos. But it's funny, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a part of it. You go to races, you know, Everybody's drinking beers around the fire or whatever the night before the race. I'm not saying the racers are, but, you know, the parents are and stuff like that. So it's there, you know. It's just sometimes yep. I think it gets pushed off to the side. Absolutely. I think that uh, um, we, we've come uh, – we've, we've gone a long way from when our premier series was sponsored by uh, Coors, uh, a beer and uh, uh, a company that uh, um, obviously – they're a huge company, and they've they've they sponsored the series. And since then, like we've had the like obviously Ricky or Jeremy McGrath of the Bud Light team. But uh, yep. now that the sport has gone so like it was so on the other side of uh, like we, although we have energy drinks, which is I would argue sometimes is probably worse for you than uh, than a cold one. But uh, um, it's just gone so far away from from like alcohol or anything like that uh, that um, it's just it's it's like the plague. You don't want to be associated with it. And I think that's like just it's it's almost foolhardy because really um like like you said after the race or the night before maybe not athletes some athletes let's be honest but uh um like if if you're of age you have you've the, the there's there's 
you're going to enjoy a few cold ones here and there. And uh, um, the, the the motocross races are a place, are a great place to do so uh, because there's lots of uh, campfires and stuff like that and uh, um, tons of stories being passed around. And, uh, and with that, usually uh, comes a few browns. Absolutely. Well, I went to the, you know, a year ago, I think it was, so I went to the San Diego Supercross, and right in the stadium was a full stone brewing, you know, facility, like in the stadium, something, and talk about, like, a, the ultimate for, you know, a motocross fan watching a Supercross and drinking, like, badass microbrews, you know, so it was just, like, the perfect, go. perfect combo for me. But, you know, it's funny, on that same token of being sort of, like, shifting away from how it was during, like, McGrath era, the same can be said about music, you know, like, you remember when it was, like, the Moto Triple X guys and like strung out and all those guys were coming to the races and like the whole music element was kind of in Supercross and now it's kind of it seems like that's gone away too and that you know that's another aspect of Dirt Buzz that's you know I love music and I like sharing music that I like you know with other people and it's been fun you know I've had recently like quite a few of my friends that are shooting videos like they ask me for music suggestions and they end up in videos and that's always just kind of just a fun thing, you know, like I love sharing that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I don't know, all three of those things, dirt bikes, music, and beer, you know, like that's, I mean, that's what Dirt Buzz is about. That's three things that I love. Well, they go together quite nicely, and you're totally right. Uh, going back to uh, the early 90s with uh, with guys like, uh, oh, his so name me for just, sorry? Probably like Brian Deegan and all those guys when they had the whole Moto oh, Triple yeah. X. And, yeah. Brian Deegan with Triple X, but you had Strung Out. Obviously, Triple X was uh, was basically uh, like there, and Strung Out were totally synonymous. But I, I was even thinking of uh, of Mike Healy, who uh, was was really good friends with uh, the guys at Motley Crue, and would would yeah. party with them in Europe a lot. So uh, and like like. And there, there was that connection. The the moto, the the music guys were, and at that time, GNR was uh, like Guns N' Roses and uh, Motley Crue were gods at that time, and they were thought like this motocross guy is the coolest thing going. So uh, that was a really cool connection there, and maybe we've lost that a little bit. We don't see as many. Uh, 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 artists showing up to the tracks uh, and, and whatnot, because I'm sure if they did, uh, uh, Supercross would put that on blast and have them uh, 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 hold the 32nd board card or something. But uh, um, like, what what kind of music do you listen to mostly? Like, what, what kind of music do you like listening to on the way to the track? Uh, what do you like listening to on the way from the track? Because I find myself it's two different things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map, you know, like I as I'm getting older, I've gone away from the kind of the heavier stuff. You know, when I was younger, I would listen to more of that, you know, heavy stuff like Helmet. And, you know, I was into, I had an industrial phase where I was listening to like, you know, Front 242 and Ministry and, you know, all those kind of hardcore industrial bands. And so as I've getting, gotten older, I'm, I'm just more towards like, like I love British music. Um, I love, you know, like kind of more soul music and my favorite, absolute favorite band right now is a band called The Revivalist, uh, a bunch of guys okay. from all over the U.S. that ended up meeting in New Orleans, and um, which I went and visited a couple of years ago and I loved it down there, just the whole culture of music and food and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of, I guess in a way, appreciate more music that's where these musicians are really actually playing their instruments and have really good voices and for some reason I've always been drawn to like um, British music I don't know what it is you know whether it's like Snow Patrol and 
trying to think of some more. Like one of my other favorite bands is a band called Ephemerals. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just Arctic a lot Monkeys of good... at all. Uh, yeah, it's a very yeah in that same genre. It's exactly like I love that kind of music, and there's just a lot of good stuff like that. I know there's a lot of good U.S. music. But I don't know what it is. Block party in there a little bit, maybe. I, I haven't listened to them, but yeah, I mean, okay. there's just a whole group of those those type bands, and then and then I, I had this phase where after going to New Orleans, I was into listening to all that kind of you know New Orleans sort of uh, you know like brass brass music, where you know I went mm-hmm. to a couple couple bands down there where it was just amazing where, you know, seeing all these, you know, 10, 15 people on a stage just, like, always playing the trombone and the, the trumpets, and, you know, it's just super rad. But right, and then you have, you have, like, stuff from that that kind of uh, bleeds into ska and, and some, some kind of some heavier stuff as well. Like, there's, there's always a lot of little pieces of brass in there as well. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, so, w- I mean... Music is just, uh, I don't know, it's good for the soul, you know? So I, I think sometimes it can be easy just to kind of not think about it, but, man, I feel like that's one of those things like a dirt bike that when you're not, you know, feeling maybe you're not in the best state of mind, you know, you put on some good music or go, go for a dirt bike ride and you feel better. I totally agree, my friend. Now, where can people find uh, more information, and where 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 can they follow Dirt Buzz both on social media and uh, ultimately go to the site? Yeah, so I got lucky on the URL. It's just DirtBuzz.com. So super nice. short and super sweet. So on the same thing for uh, um, on Instagram, it's just at Dirt Buzz, and then uh, same thing on Facebook. And uh, for a while, I was doing more of the social stuff, you know, like with like Twitter and some of the other ones, and I just said, you know what, I just don't, you know, for the amount of time I was putting into something like Twitter, you know, I'm just not really a Twitter person, I just kind of gave up on it, so I just, I just have a couple, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and then I have a YouTube channel that I, on my YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, I, I, I kind of aggregate, you know, really cool videos that I like, and I call them video buzz, so you can go look at it, like a, a buzz list of you know, dirt bike videos, and then I have beer buzz, so if you want to watch videos about beer, and then uh, you know, basically Buzz Tunes is the other one. Obviously, I, I do a lot of play on the Buzz part. but So, yeah, there's three different segments that you can go and you can listen to videos that like music that I like on the YouTube channel. So I'll, I'll uh, favorite it and put it in there. And so, so yeah, it's a, it's I kind of look at it as a fun way to, like, if you want to discover some new music or discover something about a beer or watch cool mo- uh, dirt bike videos, you can do all three there. There you go. It's all on DirtBuzz.com. Go there and uh, and enjoy yourselves and uh, and maybe even uh, and crack a cold one as you you surf those pages because uh, I have a good, uh, uh, there's a good chance you'll be in the comfort of your own home when you do it. Uh, Dale, we're gonna throw it to commercial right right now. We'll be right back on the Big MX Radio Show, brought to you by Fly Racing USA. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. Hey, this is Zach Cummins from Phoenix Racing Co. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. 
Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Common, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffe, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day, so we created Justified Cultures. Navigate JustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off on the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com. That's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now. And check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims. Pick your hubs. Pick your spokes. Even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, talon and kite aluminum hubs, galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one of a kind. 
The reason why they're one of a kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market, from supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today. And never settle. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Fly Racing. And we're on the line with uh, with a member of the Fly Racing family. Goes by the name of Dale Spangler. Dale, um, you are a, uh, a huge member of the uh, the Fly Racing WPS family. Uh, give the listeners who uh, don't already know a little bit of a look into what you do with Fly and uh, and how you've impacted uh, the, the sport in, in itself because uh, I think there's a lot of people who uh, have um, a lot to thank for you. Well, I'm, I'm in my 10th year there now. It's uh, crazy how fast you know, time goes by. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the longest I've ever been anywhere at a job, strangely enough. But yeah, it's been it's been really fun. You know, like the the, uh, the transformation of the fly racing brand in those ten years, and obviously starting way before I was there, has just been amazing. You know, like I uh, I don't know. You know, like just looking at the way things are right now with the brand. I mean, we're you know the a sponsor of the outdoor nationals. We have you know a lot of athletes. You, you look at a four fifty main, and there's Typically, you know, five to six fly athletes on a 450 main, which is tends to be the highest percentage of any brand. You know, granted, we're, we're not winning at the moment, but, you know, that's that next step where it takes a while to get to that top level where you have that athlete that, that you got to go way up in the pay range to get them, you know. 
So yeah, and but, then they you know, have to uh, achieve as well. Like you can't just you can't just buy one too. Right? Then they still have to get to the top of the podium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even when you get to that level, it's more than the money. I mean, I think the athlete wants to feel like they're they're the guy. You know, like they're you're going to build campaigns and you know like marketing strategy around them. And uh, you know, I look at a guy like Roxon. I mean, he obviously is to me he's marketing gold, and so. I mean, I think he looked at the big picture, like who's gonna, you know, who's gonna help me market myself, you know, and and be into what I want to do, you know, let me have a little bit of creative reign, you know. So right. yeah, I mean, um, again, it's the product's amazing right now. The flat product is just on point as far as the quality, and you know, we're building stuff that people want, it's durable, but it's still easy on the wallet in most cases, you know. It's a, it's a, we tend to beat everybody on price. So, you know, you're getting a lot for, for the value. You know, the value is yeah, you're getting a lot the for the money. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we're, we're, we have really good sales force that are going to the dealers now. Like, everything's just clicking to where, you know, people are liking what we're doing and, you know, what we stand for. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy. So, day-to-day, though, my primary focus, I do, like, multiple things, but um, – my my main focus is on the you know the content marketing manager, so managing all the content that goes on the different websites, um, and then I also do the media relations. So you know work with all the different magazines, trying to get product in there and send stuff off, and uh, yeah, a lot of different hats. Absolutely, and you, and you do a great job at it. Uh, how has your role kind of evolved over the years? You said ten years that you've been with the company, uh, and, uh, and what, what would you say is your uh, is your biggest challenge on a weekly basis? So when I started, strangely enough, I wasn't really even hired for marketing, even though I had a lot of marketing background. But I was hired more for I went back to school and got a technical writing degree and you know an English degree and emphasis in technical writing. So I, they hired me really for. Um, for content, you know, but more on a, almost like on a data side, you know, it was more writing descriptions for products, you know, like really very micro focused. And so um, now I've evolved way into some more of the marketings where I'm doing more creative writing, um, trying to keep things like the Fi website content flowing on there, um, you know, helping to write slogans for for ad ad campaigns for you know all that different type of fun creative stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely evolved quite a bit. Again, I was, I wasn't doing media relations when I started. So, you know, I, I cut my teeth at Alpine Stars back in the nineties where I did media relations. So that just kind of was one of those things where like nobody was really doing it at the time, you know, full time. So I stepped in and kind of said, Hey, well, if you want me to take this, I'll, I've done it in the past, so I know how to do it. So I kind of started doing that. And then that evolved into, I'm all, I also do ad buying, which strangely enough is kind of an odd combination, but. So I do media relations and buy ads. So <laughs> it's kind of a there you go. Uh, odd combination. You're, you're work- yeah, you're working almost both sides of the coin there. Uh, at, um, fr- from uh, from your point of view, um, fly racing uh, has has grown leaps and bounds just even in the last five years. But what do you say? What would you say has been the the key to them standing the test of time in in a world where in if uh, if like all things equal, we saw a lot of different companies come in in the early 2000s, and uh, frankly, a lot of those companies are no longer around anymore. I think of uh, Alloy Gear. I think of uh, No Fear uh, not being around anymore. How has um, a company like Fly been able to basically uh, kind of 
uh, cut themselves out of the herd and uh, become one of the uh, kind of like the major players in the uh, in that that kind of that that category. I think just you know having the the, the infrastructure in place and sort of being that you know fly is owned by a distributor, Western Power Sports, that also helps. I think a ton. You know, for a company like Alloy, who's sort of standalone, sell retail direct, also sell to dealers, sell on their website. You know, I mean, it's that's got it's it's such a hard thing. I think in this day and age to be able to sell like that. You know, granted, Fox does it. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's tough. You know, if we have the support of, you know, 200 plus sales reps that are, that work for Western Power Sports that go into shops every day and are selling to the parts managers and, um, you know, selling fly among things, you know, like we have, you know, thousands of, well, I think we're up to 230,000 plus, you know, part numbers in our cat between all of our catalogs now. So, I mean, there's just, we're getting better and better brands. Um, our, our reps are getting, you know, to the point where, like, we have very low turnover now because we have really good sales reps that are entrenched in the territories to where there's just a good rapport there between our reps and the dealers. Most of our um, reps ride, which is another thing that I think in our competition maybe doesn't necessarily have in a lot of cases. Like, they're enthusiasts, you know. Like, the, we have a lot of ex-pro racers that are our sales reps, you know. And so – they understand, you know, like they're enthusiasts, they ride on the weekends themselves. So I think that sort of translates really well when they walk into a shop. They're not just like walking in as someone that used to sell cell phones and now they're all of a sudden they're trying to sell motorcycle parts, you know. it's If you're not part of the tribe, I think when you walk into a motorcycle shop, it's pretty tough, you know. And so, that, you know, that's, I think that's part of the equation. We've got really good people. And the same thing in our office, like we keep getting the, – the more you get better people – it just gets easier to get better people because, you know, it's the snowball effect where, like, you know, you've got the people, the Jason Thomases and the Cole Sieblers and all these different people that are, like, they they're, have a lot of connections, they're good people, and then they know other people that when we go to hire someone, hey, let's, let's hire this person. And it just snowballs even more, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of moving parts, but it's I think it's like a perfect storm almost of what's happening, you know, you know over the last, you know, five to ten years to where, WPS is at where it's now. Like, I wouldn't have thought when I was hired that we, even five years ago, I wouldn't have thought that we'd be the sponsor of the Outdoor Nationals. But, you know, it's, that's pretty crazy. Absolutely. You guys are uh, stepping up every single year. The gear looks awesome and it functions great. You, I've been the, the uh, lucky recipient of, of a few different sets of gear that uh, honestly, uh, they keep the, uh, keep me nice and dry on, on the, on the hottest days. Uh, they protect when I hit the ground as I often do and uh, they look unreal. Um, from a technical side of things, uh, like how, how much time would you say goes into developing a top line? set of gear like the Evo uh, um, the Evo 2.0? Well, initially, I think when it was built, you know, that's probably a, a lot longer time frame, but now that it's just sort of, you know, uh, it's just building upon itself to where, like, every year we make refinements, you know, like that Evolution, for example, that's, it keeps getting lighter and lighter every year. So, like, we're slowly making little tweaks, little changes that, lighten the paint, maybe you get rid of the rubber TPR, that's gone, so that saves a little bit of weight, and you add a stretch panel here, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a constant, you know, no pun intended evolution, you know, of the product, but, um, you know, same thing for the light hydrogen. The light hydrogen stuff is just getting better and better on the fit. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think 2018 is going to even be another new step forward. So without revealing anything. So, but yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I think the cycles, you know, that we're, we're pretty far out, you know, like I think they're already working on, they're well into 2019 already on, you know, gear development. So it's a pretty good cycle. Oh, absolutely. You guys are never, uh, uh, you guys never rest over there. You're always trying to raise the bar. Uh, when it comes to, uh, your, your reps though, I want to know if they had to throw down a moto right now off the couch, no training, uh, uh, allowed for any of these guys. Um, whether it be, uh, uh, Jason Thomas, Cole Siebler, uh, NorCal, Jeff Northrup, or, uh, uh, his name, I think it's Kyle Gillis? Gillis, yep. Skills. Uh, if all four of those guys lined up, uh, how, who wins that race, and how many times would they lap Chris, Chris Cooksey? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. Other than I, mean, I think I, I think um, honestly, it depends on like what day it is. But Cole Siebler, man, that guy, like when he's on his game, he's so stinking fast, and he's his style is amazing. And actually, yeah. when we had our Alpine Stars launch at our, our track at our WPS headquarters, like we had Justin Barsha there, and it was Kyle Gills and you know and uh, Cole Siebler, and I forget so there, there was about five of them. And Siebler was honestly like he, I mean Barsha couldn't pass him for about ten laps. And granted, our track's pretty pretty tame, you know, so it's pretty equal. But yeah, like he's yeah. giving him everything he can handle. <laughs> no kidding. This is a, a, a multi-time national winner in this, the last two years. Cole Siebler uh, staying out ahead of him. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and I, I've had the, the pleasure of having Cole on the show. Uh, I've, I've, I've been able to talk to and interview uh, Jason Thomas uh, uh, in the past. Got to call up NorCal for a uh, for a, a couple pod, or a cod podcast around sometime here because that guy is uh, he. First of all, he raced in Canada, which I always got things to talk about with him. But uh, he is a funny guy. He's always got lots to talk about. Yeah, you can't forget about Brock Sellers, you know, out of Ohio. He's, he's one of our reps still. And, oh, okay, and right on. Yeah, and so is uh, Jim Chester, another name from the past, you know, the one-man gang. That was yes, his sir. nickname back in the uh, arena cross days. And he's uh, one of our – he's actually our regional manager now. So he's, you know, the, the, the southeast uh, regional manager. So he's in charge of all the southeast sales reps. Fair enough. Well, maybe maybe I need to have uh, uh, Chester on the show and maybe uh, and rehash some old stories from Arena Cross has gone by because, uh, like, uh, as as you know, Arena Cross was a little bit of the old west back in the day, if not still is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I did some of those myself, and uh, man, I tell you, it was talk about smashing. You know, I mean, they, people were just desperate to get into those main events, and a uh, funny quick story like it back when. Yeah. I think it was in the early 90s when I, I tried to make a comeback, and uh, there's a guy out of uh, Iowa named Jim Hickman, and he had a K, you know, bunch of KTMs. Uh, had, I think he had a machine shop. I don't think he was a KTM dealer, but anyways, you know, he saw me at one of these uh, like Pro-Am events you know, in Pennsylvania one time, and he's like, hey, you want to ride for me? Let's do some marina cross stuff. So he, he gets these... Uh, these KTMs, and at the time, so it was a 125, and then he had this bike called the, he called it the 357 Magnum because it was, like, bored out or something. It was a, it was ridiculous. Like, it was so, so crazy to ride. But anyway, so one of the races, I'm on the KTM 125, right? And, of course, it had the Kickstarter on the left side. That thing was so fast, 
Like he had that motor tuned up, but the suspension just sucked. So I couldn't go through the woofs, but I could accelerate, get good starts. So I'm in the last chance qualifier with this guy named, uh, see, I think it was like, uh, Philip Dupasquire. Do you remember him? He's from like Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. 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 So he had come over and he was racing arena cross. And so it was him and I, the last chance. And I'm like, man, that guy's faster than me, you know? So, so I get the jump on him. We're going down the woofs. And come into the turn after, and I just kind of looked over and just parked him over the berm. And I, that was my guy that I knew I had to worry about. So I went out and won the last chance qualifier and made it in. <laughs> there you go. It is it is kill or be killed when it comes to arena cross, and uh, uh, it's either way. Uh, whether you, whether you're killing or being killed, either way, you're gonna look good in some fly racing uh, uh, gear, which you can honestly go head to toe. That's one of the things that I love about fly is that you can go uh, you, when you want uh, an unbelievable helmet, you want to be best protected that way. You go get yourself a fly F2 carbon. Uh, when it comes to uh, gear, like. Whether regardless of which line you go to, uh, it's all about price point. But uh, the the reality is, great year all the way through. And then on top of that, you guys also have the uh, the fly sector boot, which uh, it, which is I have I have those at here at my house, and they're awesome. So uh, you guys literally tip to tail, head to toe. You got it, you guys got it uh, pretty much solid. Yeah. Plus uh, now we're kind of expanding uh, back into hard parts. You know we. Always had handlebars, like ramps, things like that for a while, but now we're putting Tied a little out. bit more. Yeah, exactly. We have, we're putting a lot more emphasis and actually creating. Um, we hired a guy named Greg Bird, who uh, you probably heard of Bird Racing. And uh, yep. there was, I forget who, uh, there was another brand he worked for. Uh, I don't think it was 661, one of those other hard parts brands. But anyways, we, we brought him on. He's been with us a little over a year. And so he's making, uh, we have like a new, it's called the tri-pivot lever. So it, it pivots forward and then up and down so no matter which way you fall you shouldn't break a lever so it's you know it's super trick billet you know like high quality stuff sprockets you know like really good sprockets chain a uh, whole bunch of brand new handlebars coming so yeah that that stuff's all coming uh of course the mountain bike gear yeah we're all over the place the snowmobile and um watercraft we have life jackets a lot of people don't know that you know just yeah there's a lot going on so that way no kidding you guys have your hands in absolutely everything whether it be uh uh first of all if you race a quad in north america i pretty i think you absolutely have to wear uh fly i think that's some sort of a rule uh and yeah, I think uh, it comes with fly gear your quad comes with yeah, your, your quad definitely comes with fly gear and then uh, same thing goes for for snowmobiles you guys have dove, dove both feet into that and and been super successful there um like your role like i, I think of you specifically motocross supercross and and off-road specific but i guess i guess your role uh is is across that entire spectrum uh, you have to deal with those uh those four-wheeled uh maniacs as well as uh the guys that rip around here uh in uh with their with their, sl- their sleds because uh i don't do sleds because uh well i can't i frankly can't afford it yeah, it's talk about a sport that, you know, it makes kind of motocross look tame in some ways. You know, that like guy buys a $15,000 or whatever. I don't even know what they're at. They are now, ten ten to $15,000 sled. And then before they even drive, take it out of shop, you know, they're putting big bore kits and turbos and everything else. So, it's, yeah, it's a pretty pretty crazy sport. I think that's in transition right now, too, like as to what they're going to do. I think their, their series is kind of struggling to get, get riders to show up and, 
a lot of the teams I think have pulled out. But, but yeah, we've, we've been successful there. I think even on the distribution side, with uh, we actually purchased um, um, Marshall Distributing, which was out of Michigan, and we, we kind of acquired them a few years back. And so as part of that, they had a really strong presence in the Midwest snowmobile scene. And so I think that's helped elevate our snowmobile business in the Midwest. And so that actually, that segment's done pretty well in the last few years since we've, you know, taken over their distribution. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of the, you know, the, the pieces. And then the mountain bike, of course. So, yeah, with my role, I kind of go, you know, I'm constantly bouncing between, you know, I'll talk to a moto editor and then I'll, next thing you know, I'm talking to a, you know, Snowmobile magazine or buying ads in a Snowmobile magazine. And so it's all over the place. So it definitely keeps it interesting. And that's just one brand. That's fly. So we have uh, uh, eight other house brands that are, are considered our own brands that we're responsible for marketing. So we have like a Sedona uh, ATV tires. We have G-Max helmets, which is another brand we own. We have uh, uh, Shinko tires, which we don't own, but we're, we're the exclusive uh, U.S. distributor, so we're responsible for all the marketing of Shinko tires in the United States. And so, yeah, and on and on. We have uh, Highway 21, it's a new leather leather brand uh, that we uh, make ourselves and design in-house. It's uh, like kind of a V-twin style leather jacket type, you know, kind of retro-looking, uh, super clean line of product and uh the list goes on. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how much we have going on, and uh, we have a pretty tight, small group of people in our marketing department, and uh, super proud of everybody in there because it's just uh, everybody does a lot. You know, we, we have a pretty lean crew, but everybody's super talented and um, is able to do a lot of different things. For sure. There is a personal touch when it comes to dealing with fly racing, uh, and it's something that I think that. Uh, I don't think there's another company that has the ability to replicate it. It's that uh, if you have a problem, you know it's going to be handled by somebody, by that small group of people who uh, are. That's their job. They're 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 absolutely um, they're put a lot of importance on customer service and making sure that that, uh, that experience is something that people are going to go. Not only are they going to enjoy that experience, and they're going to uh, find the the. the solution to their problem but they're they're going to enjoy it so much that they're going to tell their friends about it and that's what's going to spread that word of mouth and boost the company up even that much more uh, and i think that's something that uh fly racing does better than uh, possibly any other company uh, within this industry snowmobile industry or uh, you name it you guys really kill it yeah i mean we try not to put ourselves above anybody you know we want to be we're on the same page as you we're enthusiasts like you and we understand, you know, like you said, that customer service element is such a huge part of it right now. You know, we're all, we're, we're about, you know, we, we love making relationships, whether it's a vendor or a direct customer or a dealer. You know, we want to make sure that those people have walk away with a good, you know, experience, not necessarily, there's nothing worse than, you know, buying something because maybe you felt like you had to buy it, you know, because you would go to a shop and you're like, oh, okay, maybe it's not like the way I wanted to get, you know, they really have a good feeling when I walked away from that purchase. And that's, I think that's something I guess that we're, we work really hard at is trying to make sure that whether it's a phone call talking to our customer service or our reps walking into the dealer, like we want it to be a good experience, good relationship. 
Right on, man. Well, like I said, you guys absolutely just keep elevating and you keep uh, bringing, uh, bringing the noise. And uh, it's, it's amazing to see where Fly has come, uh, whether it be uh, the, the earliest days of, uh, of Sean Hamblin running, running the helmets, Jason Thomas running the gear. Uh, I think of guys like uh, Brandon Jessman back in the day, Jason Lawrence, uh, a, a ton of privateer teams that embraced you guys, like the, uh, uh, the, the, basically the BBMX. Uh, Butler Brothers team that uh, that ran it for so long, and then seeing those guys uh, flourish and and, and get uh, some podium performances this this last this Supercross season, it's amazing. Um, like in in your time, what would you say has been the biggest change as far as mindset uh, of the company, or just like the basically the the vibe in and around the company? Because you you started only seven years in; they were they were pretty much still an infant at that time. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's just like more so the outlook where, you know, we kind of got past that point where it was, you know, like because we made it, you know, we we kind of sort of expected people to buy it maybe because we were we had reps walking in the dealers like, hey, we've got this fly stuff. Well, it might not have been the best quality, but you know, like, hey, we've got it. You know, we can deliver it. You know, next day or whatever it is. But now we have, you know, we when we when the when the reps walk in now, they they're genuinely like they believe in the stuff, you know, they believe in the product because it does work. And so that makes their job that much easier. And so I, I think it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of walking the walk, you know, we're not just talking it, you know, so we're able to confidently say that our stuff is good and it's, you know, at the, at the highest level, you know? And so, and, and, you know, there's, I think some of the testaments to that are like the product that we, you know, our athletes uh, wear, like, like for example, helmets, you know, the FQ Carbon, I mean, that's an off-the-shelf helmet. There's no, we don't make special helmets for our athletes. And I know I, I've experienced, that's there's big, a lot yeah. of brands. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of brands that make one-off, like, lighter weight helmets, and you know, I've seen it when I was in Europe living over there. There's a lot of one-off stuff, you know, and so that, to me, is kind of a testament to the product. You know, if it's not going to work for our top guys, then we need to figure out a way to make it work so that it's going to work for our, all of our customers. I, I agree. No, no, totally. Because at the end of the day, uh, if if the, the helmet that's on um, Trey Kennard's head is not the one that I'm I'm picking up off the showroom floor, if it doesn't have the same fit and finish, if, it, if it's a lot heavier, uh, I'm not going to be happy. And uh, frankly, I'm going to go on uh, to the track and say like, hey, yeah, like the helmet I got, not nearly what, uh, what, what it looks like in the magazine or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and uh, and that, that hurts business. And you, you can't really operate that way i think that there's i'm surprised that there's a lot of companies that are even still able to get away with things like that especially with now how uh like word of mouth travels so fast with this uh, friend we call the internet <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i'm sure it's probably a lot more companies probably aren't doing that anymore too there's just they can't really take that chance you know like you said if people would find out you know something like that they'd feel deceived you know and so you know they can't really do that but yeah i mean uh I think more than anything, it's, you know, the, the brand is, you know, it's it's legitimate now. And I think that's, you know, a big difference in our, with everybody, you know, like to be able to confidently say that, the you know, we'll still have hiccups along the way. Everybody everybody does, you know, sometimes everybody things happen with, with factories and products. And, and when we do make a state, you know, mistake like that, we try and, you know, fess up and, and take care of it, you know. And so that's another, like another part of that customer service aspect where we, you know, like some sometimes, you know, you get a product and it breaks or whatever happens, and then there's kind of like toss, you know, you know, there's nothing we can do. But 
we try and go out of our way to help. You know, we have people in the office that are constantly going on. People are like, yeah, well, I broke my visor. Well, you know, if you find out here it was, it was, you know, minus, you know, 20 degrees, but for some reason their visor cracked, you know, well, so it's like, okay, you know, really probably what happened is it's just it happened, you know, like it's, it's cold out, but we, we'll go Everything out. Everything breaks way. at minus 20. Everything. Yeah, you know, so we'll go out and, you know, we'll, we'll take a visor off the helmet that was maybe returned that's still fought perfectly fine and we'll, we'll send it to him, you know, so I mean, it's kind of stuff like that that's just to go out of our way to try and get that person back, um, you know, like a fan of our product and, you know, standing behind what we do. Absolutely. You guys have the right idea, the right mindset, and uh, the execution of that is the most important thing. It's, it's one thing to say, yeah, we value put customer service, uh, and uh, it's another thing to, to follow suit on that. And, and uh, with every experience that I've had, whether it be working with one of your sales reps, working with you, or uh, that d- delightful man that is Max Steffens, it's always been top-notch, it's always been prompt. And uh, I, I always appreciate that, because you guys really take care of me and uh, with, with fly racing, and uh, that's why I l- want to have you on the show to chat about some stuff, as well as Dirt Buzz, and uh, it's always good conversation. Conversation. Um, Dale, we're, we're going to have to have you on the show again sometime soon because uh, you've, you've always got something coming down the pipe, man. Absolutely. And hey, if you want to support, if anybody out there wants to support Dirt Buzz and help me get to some more races, I'm, I am selling shirts now through Dirt Buzz and uh, have a secure card on there with uh, we take PayPal or you know either way. So everything I'm trying to, you know, my my my. Uh, my plan there is like anything I make off a shirt goes into a fund that's going to you know, pay for uh, flights to get me some, to some races that I can, you know, on the on the dirt buzz dime to, you know, go there and, and uh, you know, be amongst the, the racers and, and work on more content. So that's, that's uh, so any, any support's appreciated. Everything you've done too, Brad, appreciate three grand and things like that, whatever sharing stuff that I posted that, that every little bit helps and that means a lot. Absolutely, my friend. And for those who haven't already done so, uh, you can head on over to dirtbuzz.com, get yourself a, uh, a t-shirt. And uh, during this podcast, while you were uh, answering questions, I was able to order mine up. So it's super easy to do. Uh, like you said, PayPal, however you want it to get shipped uh, and uh, make it happen. And uh, yeah, it'll be yours for this, the asking price, $25. Get uh, get Dale to some races so that he can talk the talk with the people he needs to talk to and uh, elevate the sport uh, of off-road uh, and tool racing. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna uh, throw it to to uh, commercial break one last time on here on the Big MX Radio podcast show. Dale, Dale, thank you so much for coming on the show. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. <laughs> 